0: Hey, history lovers, I'm Mike Rosenwald with Retropod, a show about the past, rediscovered. I'm going to float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. Oh, that voice. I am the greatest. Loud, poetic, unmistakable. Muhammad Ali. Earlier this summer, President Trump announced that he was considering posthumously pardoning the boxing legend. Ali, you may recall, was convicted of a felony in the 1960s for refusing to be drafted during the Vietnam War. But here's the thing. Ali doesn't need a pardon. Why? Well, his conviction was already overturned by the Supreme Court in a decision almost as contentious and nail-biting as one of Ali's own boxing matches. It was so close that one of the justices changed his mind as he was in the middle of writing the decision. Amazing. Here's the story. In 1967, Ali, like many other young men at the time, was called for the draft. And like many of those men, he had no intention of serving in the army. It was a time when American soldiers were dying across Vietnam protesters were burning draft cards, and conscientious objectors were fleeing to Canada. But Ali wasn't going to flee to exercise his objection. Instead, he turned up at the induction center, and when his name was called, he refused to step forward and be inducted into the army. Outside the center, he handed out a statement that read, "'It is in the light of my consciousness As a Muslim minister and my own personal convictions that I take my stand in rejecting the call to be inducted. The consequences were immediate. Later that day, he was stripped of his boxing license. Soon after, he was convicted and sentenced to five years in prison, plus a $10,000 fine. And that brings us to the Supreme Court case of Clay the United States. Cassius Clay was Ali's birth name before he converted to Islam, and the name he had refused to respond to at the induction center. By the time the case got to the Supreme Court, Ali and his lawyer had spent four years appealing his conviction. That question was whether the draft board erroneously rejected Ali's application for a conscientious objector exemption from being drafted. And whether the black Muslim faith actually opposed fighting for the United States on political grounds and not because of religion, as Ali had claimed. In the spring of 1971, the justices met in conference to consider the case. The account of what happened next comes from the book The Brethren by Scott Armstrong and Post reporter Bob Woodward. The justices decided in a 5-3 vote that Ali did not qualify as a conscientious objector, a decision that would ultimately send him to prison. Justice John Harlan was assigned to write the majority opinion. Harlan's clerk began drafting it. But then another clerk persuaded Harlan's clerk to reconsider. He had recently read the autobiography of Malcolm X, the story of one of the most influential Black Muslims in America. In turn, Harlan's clerk became convinced Ali was a true conscientious objector, and then he asked Harlan to reconsider the case entirely. That night, Harlan reluctantly took home some papers and reexamined the case, and he changed his mind. The next morning, Harlan argued he believed the United States government had misinterpreted the doctrine of the Nation of Islam, painting the group and Ali as racist, despite the Justice Department's own hearing examiners finding that Ali was sincerely opposed to all wars. He wrote a memo suggesting that the Justice Department had committed an error and asking the court to reverse its decision. This confusing legal mess caused quite a stir. If the other justices refused to go along with Harlan, Ali would be headed to prison. That didn't happen. Eventually, all the other justices agreed to overturn the conviction. The unanimous 8-0 decision was announced on June 28, 1971. Ali had been exiled from boxing for almost five years but now he was free to pursue his prize-fighting career in the ring, not a court. Three years later, he reclaimed his heavyweight title. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Denine Brown, who reported this story for The Washington Post. And for more forgotten stories from history, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod. And one more thing. This Saturday, I'll be at the National Book Festival in Washington, D.C. to host a game of history trivia for kids. Please join me from 3 to 4 p.m. at the Washington Post booth at the Washington Convention Center. The winner will appear on an upcoming episode of Retropod. See you soon.